Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. I'm Chris Marone. And Chris, it is good to be back here in Kansas City where it's freaking cold. You're out there in Arizona. I just came back from a golf trip. More on that a little bit later. It is great when you can golf in the middle of winter. I know for you there in Arizona, it's like that's just standard operating procedures yep. out there. Whenever you want to play golf, you just go out there and golf. No, you can't get a tee time in the winter out here. Like I can't find. I oh, it's expensive. One right, it's like two fifty to three hundred dollars to play a course that's only worth fifty bucks, and I can't get a tee time to save my life. Like if I want a tee time, it's got to be at like six thirty seven o'clock at night. Here's the deal for you, man. You need to open up the the west wing of your house, uh, Airbnb oh. it as a golf mm-hmm. resort destination. Ooh. And, um, hey, I'll, I'll be there. But but more on that later. First of all, we have a lot to talk about. The Supreme Court had a major announcement just yesterday. Uh, we're going to talk about that, the Supreme Court's upcoming term. Of course, Alex Baldwin is in the news with the, the Rust shooting. Uh, and then we have the NFL playoffs. But first, Chris, I want to take some time here at the beginning of the podcast to point out how far we have come as a civilization because, Chris, I went TV shopping yesterday. Have you bought a TV recently? Like five years ago, man. It's oh gosh, it's the worst. <laughs> it is insanity. It's almost as so, bad as buying I, a car now. Buy a car. I have no idea how, how to buy a car. We're actually right. buying a car right now. We put in our order five months ago. It oh, still yeah. has not shown up yet. So who knows about that? But I remember a time when in the Oster household we had zero TVs. Chris, was there ever a time in your life when you remember having zero TVs in your household? I think the lowest number in my life of TVs in a household has been three. Three? Right. Yeah. We had one. My parents always had one in their room. Okay. You had to get rid of the, get, get away from the kids. Got to get, right, gotta right. do something. Um, <clears throat> my oldest brother had one in his room. And then, it, then when he went off to college, it went down to my room. And then we always had a front room TV. Always. So three. You think the average number of TVs in a household is three. Now, you might be right on that uh, as of right now. Right. Uh, maybe a, a little bit above that. I remember a time when we had zero TVs, and then wow. KU made it to the Final Four in 1988. And I remember my dad going out to Kmart buying a 19-inch TV. Oh. 19-inch. My, <laughs> my laptop monitor is larger than that. Chris, I got to tell you, we felt blessed. I mean, we had a 19-inch TV to watch the KU Jayhawks win the national championship there. I remember the TV. We were all gathered around at 19 inches. We felt blessed. Oh, yeah. And now, Chris, 65 inches seems a wee bit too small. No, are are we going to settle for 65-inch TV? No. Yeah. No, I have a, I have a, I want to say 77 in my front room. I've got a 57 in my spare bedroom, and I think we're at like a 50 in my bedroom bedroom. Yeah. If you thought about buying a 19-inch TV, you're like going, is that like my on my tablet? Are you talking about, if you see it with my tablet or my my phone, (laughs) yeah, my iPhone might be a little bit bigger than that. But nonetheless, uh, we have OLEDs and QLEDs. Yep. Now it's, yeah, all the the types of lamps that shine in your TV to give you that picture perfect. Right, right. Whatever the heck that means. I, I have I no have idea. Clue. But here's a problem. You go to the store, and there on the wall, side to side, up and down, you have big screen TVs galore. So you're looking at one. And then you're looking at the one right next to it. You're going, 
oh, I can't live with this. This, this is crap. I got to have that one. If I don't oh, have course. that clarity, my TV experience is just not worth my time. Nope. But when you're at home, you don't have 100 TVs on the wall. No, I wish I did, but you're not going to have 100 TVs. So any of those TVs are fine. I bet you if I bought the one that was, you know, 50 bucks, not that probably is an exaggeration, but I did think I saw one yesterday for like $400, a 65-inch TV for 400 bucks. Yeah. I would probably enjoy that just as much as the $3,000 TV. All right. I think you would enjoy it a little bit more because you only paid 400 bucks for it. <laughs> and you and I are both frugal gentlemen. So we're yes. not, yeah, we would be reminded every day that that was a $3,000 TV. That being said, Chris, I'm going to give you this TV I found yesterday. Yeah. It was a 98-inch TV. I think it was OLED. It was, it was, one, it was a nice one, right? Okay. Uh, it was 98 inches. I'm going to give you an over-under. I know you're a gambling man, and I want to see if you can guess the price tag on this. All right, okay. you ready? 98 inches, OLED. Okay. $15,000. Over. Over. You were you seem confident on that. Over. All right. $25,000. Yeah, over like, under. Over under under. Over. Uh $35,000. My truck didn't cost $35,000. I'm going to go over 40 $44,000 for that oh. TV. No, Joel, no. Like I was at 20. I was like 20 would be where I would I would go with that. 45k? It's not a Tesla. $45,000. $45,000? And so I had this thought. I said, hon, do you really need your car? I mean, we need two cars in our house. Because I'm thinking, you know, if we can get this TV and sell one of our cars, maybe we can finance the rest. I I don't know. But, yeah. (laughs) You're taking a car loan out to get a TV. You're paying $675 a month for five years to have a TV. Wow. So we start off with a 19-inch TV that we are very blessed and happy to have. Right. And now you're looking at a $45,000 TV. Yeah, of course, we did not buy that one. Uh, right. We actually have a friend who um, works for a major TV you know, uh, manufacturer. I don't really want to give the name yeah. of it. I don't want to get him in trouble or something like that. But uh, he, you know what, Joel? He, you can use my employee account. So Ooh. I was able to use his employee account to buy this 75-inch TV at a about I say about fifteen hundred bucks. Now I did not buy the forty four thousand dollar one. Good call. No. Yeah. Good call. I was not gonna do oh. that. I, I care about my marriage too much. All right. But here's a fun fact, Joel. Do you know that the highest day of returning TVs is? Do you know what day that is? The day after the Super Bowl. Yes. It is right. the day after the Super Bowl. Most people will go in and buy a big screen TV, watch the Super Bowl, and come back and return it. That, my hope is I get this big screen TV in time to watch my Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And since they're probably going to be there in about four years, I think we're looking pretty good here. Exactly on that right. One. Exactly right. <laughs> so, so, all right. Hey, we got to go over to some legal news here. A lot happened this week at the U.S. Supreme Court. The first is what didn't happen at the U.S. Yeah. Supreme Court, and that is they did not identify the leaker, the Supreme Court. As you know, this last year was rocked when uh, a draft of Justice Samuel Alito's opinion in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization was leaked out there to, I believe, is Politico. And so the Supreme Court, which is the top judicial body in the entire world, they are even yeah. above Justice League, I believe, and they said, you know, we are going to begin a crack pot investigation of the leaker to identify the leaker 
And so they tasked their marshal with it. The marshal, I have no idea the, what the, the marshal could find out the leaker, but whatever. They couldn't do is They brought in some federal investigators as well who were experienced in this matter. And so they spent almost, what, six months, seven months or wow. so trying to identify this leaker. They struck out. They cannot identify it. They say, no, we do not know who did it. We cannot determine with any kind of probability level. Uh, you know, they're they're, they're talking standards of review. So we really can't conclusively say who did this leak. And so we're not going to identify the leaker. Chris, what are your thoughts on this? We're lawyers, right? We love language. Uh, we can't identify isn't the same as we don't know. And so by saying... We can't identify the leaker. It is almost saying, at least in my opinion, that we don't want to disclose the leaker. Now, the leaker could have been Justice Keegan, for all we know, right? It could have been a Democrat-appointed justice that's trying to rally up the troops or anything. It could be anybody, right? We don't know. But I think the court is trying to keep their legitimacy by not disclosing who the leaker is. I am 100,000% sure they know who leaked the document. So this would destroy this person's career. I mean, it, would, it, would. it would destroy it's a, a lot of things. It would be impeached, right? We're, we're it, fair yeah. about that. It would destroy. Uh, a lot. Let's say it was. Let's say it was a staffer, right? It was a judicial clerk. That that fired. clerk, you're fired. You're done. You're over. Now the judgment of the justice. But hold on that, a second. So if if it were a clerk, a, a staff employee, they're getting a job somewhere else. I I think if it were a staff person, well, Jones they would have identified it. Because it's not really it going to hurt their career one bit. Right. It'll get another job somewhere else doing something similar. Right. Um, but it calls into question the justices' um, reasonal, reasoning, their ability to understand and read situations, their trustfulness, the whole nine. It, it will rock whichever justice either leaked it. If, if a justice leaked it, gone, right? It is completely delegitimized their career completely. Right. Yeah, they would um, have to be impeached. Would one hundred percent? I I I think that both Republicans and Democrats could get behind that. But that's why I don't think it was a justice. I really don't right. think any justice would leak an, an opinion. Right. But if it's a staffer, it will still call into the justice's credibility. And so I think I think that they're going to bury that until the justice retires, or I don't know if we'll ever figure it out. One of those questions I get to ask God when I die. Interesting, because when they do retire, some of their notes do get put out there mm -hmm. for you know the archives, and so maybe right. they, it's in there in one of the notes. Uh, we'll we'll find out. But I, yeah. I I'm guessing it's probably a clerk. Most people have been looking at the the actual mm -hmm. um, you know law clerks. These guys are would be attorneys, and right. if if one of the law clerks did it, their career is shot. I mean, they're probably going to yeah. be making tons of money there at the top of the top of the legal field. Maybe you become a judge in the future. Right, and now. Gorsuch. Right, Gorsuch was a Supreme Court clerk, and now he's on the court. Right. In fact, I would almost guarantee you every single one of the current uh, justices was a former U.S. clerk of the U.S. Mm -hmm. Supreme Court. Maybe, maybe not all of them, but I would, I would bet eight of the nine were. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it would, but it would destroy this person's career. They would be disbarred, most likely. Uh, and, and they would so, have to be. They would have to. And so be. the court said, so "We're not since we don't know conclusively who did it. In other words, someone didn't just, you know, pony up and say, yes, I did it.' Well, Chris, let's talk about that. Are you a little bummed?" If the person had the cojones to, to leak this, they should have put their name to it. They should have owned up and said, yes, I did it. What are your thoughts that like whoever did this is now being silent? That, that's, that's shady. I don't know, man. Cost-benefit analysis? It, it goes back to who, 
who leaked it, right? You know, what's the Emmanuel Kant always asked his question every time was who benefits, right? If you go back right. and it's you go back, and you look at who benefits. So if it was a Alito supporter that leaked the 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 memo and I'm not saying Alito clerk, but someone who supported Alito in the action of reversing Roe v. Wade. What what benefit did they have to leaking the opinion? And maybe that was locking the other conservative justices into sticking with the Alito opinion, not allowing John Roberts to go in there and sort of sway people and massage down like or was it uh, someone who was more pro Roe? leaking it in the hopes that it stirred up controversy and that that opinion wouldn't get um, submitted and that the justices would come back and see what an extreme position it was. Now, because it did not do what the pro-Roe people would have wanted it to do, I could see them identifying a pro-Roe person as the one who leaked it. Because... Uh, but again, this is chess, right? This is this entirely intense game of chess that we're not pervy to. At the end of the day, I'm going to say Alito leaked it, and I'm going to stick by that forever. <laughs> that is definitely not the opinion of the <laughs> other person on this podcast. But right. uh, yeah, it is interesting. I do think that now we have, uh, I think we have, what, three or four clerks per justice? I don't know yep, what the actual four. number is. So we're looking at 36 to 48 clerks that are possibly would be the leak, or at least in my mind, it's going to be one of the right. clerks. It, this is going to follow these clerks everywhere they go. I mean, if right. one of these clerks, that I would imagine probably the majority of them will be appointed to a, a bench somewhere in their, yeah. their career. Uh, and so there's going to be a confirmation proceedings. They're probably going to ask them about right. the leaked uh, opinion, right? Yeah. This is going to follow all 48 of these of these these lawyers throughout the rest of their career. And, and definitely if one of them becomes a Supreme Court justice, they're going to be grilled on that during the confirmation proceedings. And so uh, now this one last thought here. I do know that Politico, the person who wrote this this uh, report about the, the leaked opinion, yeah. he did say he knows the identity of the leaker. And he might divulge it if the timing is right. In, in other words, maybe if some, I, I don't know if he's going to divulge uh, it now that election. the court is, is like done, that. That is done with their investigation. Maybe he meant if, if some court forces me to do it, I'll do it, but I'm not going to do it otherwise. But someone does know. And at some point in time, yeah. it might get leaked out. Someone might be bragging about yeah. what they did. I mean, I don't think we've heard the end of this. At some point in time in the future, we might find out who actually leaked this opinion. Well, All right, Chris. I mean, I don't know any court in the land that could compel a reporter to give that kind of information. Right? I think that clearly falls under freedom of the press. It's not state secrets. It's not national security. It's not, like, eminent danger. Like, this is just, like, we want to know versus more than anything else. Like, it's like we're right, just right. inquiring minds over here. Like, we're all sitting here, like, eating our popcorn on the sideline. Like, we want to know who spilled the tea. Right, well, well, if it had been a crime, and I think maybe right. that's what he's referring to, if it had been a crime, and I think you can make an argument, you it's could. a crime. Because uh, if the intent here was to threaten the uh, justice, and that actually did happen. One of the yes. justices, there was an assassination attempt on, I believe it was Kavanaugh's life. Right. That's a big deal. And if, that, if right. this clerk thought that might happen, there, there's going to be some pressure put. There's been an assassination attempt on one of the justices. I think that leak now reaches to the level of criminal activity. It would depend upon what this person know, right. knew. Well, we don't know what this person was right. thinking because we can't ask them. So might this identity of this leaker, might that lead to the investigation of a crime and the conviction right. of a crime? 
It's maybe, possible. Maybe Kavanaugh was the one who leaked it in the assassination attempt on Kavanaugh for Kavanaugh's own issues. I don't know. We could see what happens. Again, for the record, no, that is not the position <laughs> held by everyone on this podcast. For, for right. the record, Joel does not believe any Supreme Court justice actually leaked the opinion, and Chris believed every single one gave it out. All right. So let's go now to uh, what else is happening at the U.S. Supreme Court. They announced this last week that they are going to take on some new cases. I always find right. it interesting. When the court's not dealing with a lot of sexy cases currently, might they be taking up cases in the future? So, Chris, there are three cases that really caught my attention this last week. The first one was Groff v. DeJoy. And what this case dealt with is what protections do employees have to practice their faith while at work. So federal law prohibits employees from firing workers for practicing their religion unless mm -hmm. the employer can show that the worker's religious practice cannot reasonably be accommodated without undue hardship. Chris, right. what are your thoughts about this case? Crap. I think that the facts are cherry-picked, and I think that the whole idea is they it, – it's just – I think this is just another in a long line of political cases trying to undo precedence of law because certain members of political parties don't believe that the law should apply to them. It's, now let's, let's go a little bit over the history of this. So they passed the um, – uh, this would be um, – uh, what is it? Is it Title VII? Is it the yep. employment – was yeah. that? Yeah, it's Title Seven. It's the employment. Um, why can't I think of the stupid thing? I know the name now. escapes me right now. I argue these cases. I've actually litigated right. several of these cases. But bottom line is, uh, it is uh, in the work environment. Um, you, they, they, the employer cannot discriminate against you based upon religion. And one of the ways that that plays out under Title Seven is that the the employer must accommodate your religious beliefs. Well, right. in 1977, the Supreme Court ruled in Trans World Airlines v. Hardison that is, the yeah. undue hardship standard is met when the accommodation would require more than a trivial or minimal cost. Well, there were two... So that's, that was a Supreme Court opinion saying, look, the employee doesn't really have to accommodate your beliefs. It's going to require them to incur more than a de minimis cost. Well, there were two justices in vigorous dissent in 1977. Right. Those two justices were Justice Thurgood Marshall and Justice William Brennan. Yep. Two liberal stalwarts of the Supreme Court. Very They're much the so. ones saying, no, look, this, this standard is, is pointless. When you have a de minimis cost, that's not undue hardship. That's, those right. are two vastly different things. And so there you had the two liberal justices vehemently dissenting to that opinion. Well, now it's thought it's the conservative justices yeah. who are dissenting, uh, who are going to say, no, we want to change this law and reverse uh, the Trans World Airlines be Hardison's undue burden the standard. And so, what does that say about our society that it was the liberal justices then who are opposed to it, and now it's the conservative justices who seem opposed to it? A little bit of shift in the culture. No, because look at the facts of Trans America. Trans America had to do with a non-Christian Seventh-day Adventist sect of religion that wanted to be protected. And the court was like, eh, you know what? You don't, we don't practice religion on Saturdays, essentially. And that's what it came down to was that the, in Trans America, the guy wanted Saturdays off, and it was going to cost Trans American Airlines 150 bucks over three months to replace him on a Saturday. And the court was like, oh, that's too much. Now that it is a, a Christian conservative court, now it's like, oh, this is a threat to Christianity. 
we need to now make some changes because now we're threatening whether or not Christians are allowed to practice. So, so I don't now it, so back in 1977, Christianity was not in the minority, and now it is in the minority. So you see a little bit of a shift, maybe. Is this an Christianity to- is not in the minority? There's more Christians on this planet than any other religion. Christianity is in the minority because it's not being accepted as the main backbone of morality for society anymore. Now, that, but but is it in the minority now as compared to non-religion and, and people who are agnostic? Might I, that be why it's a little bit disfavored right now? Because um, But interesting, the court's going to take up that case and we'll see uh, if the liberals still stay in dissent or now will... Uh, um, actually, the liberals probably still will be in dissent, but the, chain, the court's right. going to be... The case will be reversed, possibly. That case is going to come up here before the, the, the court. All right, another case is coming up that I want to point out is Tyler v. Hennepin County. And in this case, the justice granted a petition filed by a 93-year-old lady named Geraldine Tyler, whose $40,000 condominium uh, in Hennepin County was sold by the county after she failed to pay $15,000 in property taxes. Chris, there's so many different aspects of this case that fascinate me. Number one... This property is worth $40,000. Right. And yet you have $15,000 in property taxes. What's going on here? That tells me you haven't paid property taxes since you bought it. Okay. Like if you like you have not paid up a, a dime in property taxes since the 1940s when you bought the apartment for $70,000 or $40,000. And by the way, where can I find places for $40,000? Um okay. just cur- just curious. No 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 ill intent specifically wanted, but call me. Let me know. The $40,000 condominium, they're foreclosing it. They're mm-hmm. kicking a 93-year-old lady out of her house. Right. I don't like the facts. We no. got to dig in more. I don't. I can't wait for this case because I want to know the facts as to why are you evicting right. a 93-year-old lady from her house? Why is it that you have a $40,000 condominium? That's not even possible. Maybe you're playing fast and loose with the word condominium. I'm not right. sure on that. Maybe you call that like something else. A garage, an apartment, right? Yeah, it's a casita, right? It's like a single little three hundred square foot one bedroom, or a three hundred square foot studio that you're going to pay forty grand for. And is it possible that this ninety three year old lady has not been paying property taxes since she bought it as a twenty five year old? I mean, I don't know these these facts here. It's just very intriguing that a ninety three year old lady was foreclosed, was kicked out of her house, evicted because she failed to pay fifteen thousand dollars in property taxes, and the U.S. Supreme Court. Decided to take that case up. All right. I don't know. One, I mean, we, we got some senior citizen ladies on the court. Maybe they want to make, you know, give justice and solidarity. Amy Comey Barrett is going to be looking out for her grandma. That's 100% happening. All right. One more case here. Counterman v. Colorado. And in this case, the court's going to pick up the issue of how much protection should fighting words get? In other words, we're talking Ooh. about free speech. Are you allowed to say certain yeah. things? And this person was uh, sending this woman messages on Facebook. So again, we're not face to face here. I'm going to send you a direct message on Facebook. And in this, this direct message, I'm going to say die and F off permanently. Okay. okay, those are not nice things. I would not ever nope. say those things. But that's what this person said to this other person on Facebook. And this person was convicted as to issuing a true threat against this person for those words. Chris, what are your thoughts? Should you be thrown in jail for telling someone to die and to F off permanently on Facebook? No, because I do that fairly regularly, as a matter of fact. Um, I mean, Facebook is where you go to argue about politics with strangers. 
So, I mean, absolutely I've done that more than my fair share of times. But, I mean, there's got to be a lot more to it than just saying F off and die, right? There's got to be actual, like, possibility of them unaliving you. There has to be actual, like, um, thoughts and discussion. Like, there has to be more than just telling, man, I've driven around New York. Do you know how many people have threatened to kill me in New York driving around New York? Like, the entire population. Right. So like I don't I don't understand and I don't know I and I don't know the facts deep enough and I'm looking forward to arguing this because also like who has jurisdiction over a Facebook chat like unless I and like Joel if you and I are on a Facebook post you being in Kansas City and me being in Phoenix who has jurisdiction is this a federal case that I'm threatening you over well if huh. it is a federal case which federal district court because I'm in a different federal district than you are so this is a jurisdictional nightmare. Interesting, interesting like, issues brought up on this case. So we'll have to yeah. follow this one and see. It, usually, usually it's the craziest factual pattern that right. leads to the best free speech cases because the right. court has, has been known to say in the past, yeah, that's horrendous speech, but even that is protected. But here you're telling someone to die right. and to F off permanently. I mean, on one right. hand, you know what? Stop talking like that. I, but whatever. <laughs> yes, I mean, also I true. But right. also it's like... Um, you know, under assault claims, at least in California, you have to have a reasonable fear that that physical attack is coming. Right. Um, same thing with threats. You have to have a reasonable fear. If you are Joel, you know, in Joel from Kansas City and I'm Chris from Phoenix, what reasonable fear do I have? And again, reasonable, not I have a fear, but what the reasonable prudent person would have a fear if you sent me that via Facebook Messenger. Yeah, now obviously, if it's said in in jest or in anger, but I've, you can tell it's also jest. done in jest while you are in, in anger. Right. Oh, I'm not thinking you're really going to do it, right? right. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Right. But here, if if this is a, a part of an ongoing dialogue where you think the person actually might kill you, right? Because of other threats that might be relevant as well. Right. Uh, so yeah, I'm um, kind of excited and, or interested to see this case uh, right. be argued. And you All can right. block people on social media. Like why, why are, how, how much did this person, how much did the engagement go back and forth? Is it just the, I popped up and said, I hope you die F off permanently. Or is there like a whole, like, cause we're going to get that in discovery or they got it in discovery. Like we're at the appeal stage. So how much is it back and forth? Why didn't you just hit that block button? It's, it's there. It's easy. It's really easy. All right, let's go on to probably the biggest uh, news item. Maybe I even should have let off with this one. Oh, but Alec Baldwin was charged with involuntary manslaughter for the shooting that happened while filming Rust in Western Kansas, which looks, that's when I read that. Don, why are you filming this, this movie about Western Kansas in New Mexico? I, I don't know, <laughs> but whatever. It, it's a, it's about what happened in Kansas, but it's going on in, a, uh, in, in New Mexico. And, of course, as you know, during the filming, uh, they had a, a prop, a gun. And right. so they were practicing the scene, and Alec Baldwin, you know, fired that gun, allegedly. And there, it wasn't a blank bullet. It was an actual bullet and shot and killed Halnia uh, um, Hutchins. She was a rising star in the film industry, and this was done about a year ago in 2021 uh, is when this, this shooting took place. So over a year later, they decided to pursue involuntary manslaughter charges against Alec Baldwin. So let's just unpack what is an involuntary manslaughter charge. Well, involuntary manslaughter is defined as the unintentional killing that results from either recklessness or 
criminal negligence or from the commission of a low-level crime that resulted yep. in, a, in, a, in a homicide. Right, Chris, what are your thoughts? So we're dealing here now with, with Alec Baldwin, who, who had a prop gun. Right. There's no question this was there was no intent here to kill this person. That's right. clear. That's right. clear. Make that clear. Um and then he fired it and it killed someone because it wasn't a, 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 a fake, it wasn't a, a blank, it was an actual bullet. Yep. This has been done in the movie sets throughout the history of movies. I mean, they've always had prop guns, and there's always someone reviewing these guns, and but never before has anyone ever been shot or killed from a prop gun on a movie set. So how can they prove that this was criminal negligence when, I'm just going to make this number up, but 10,000 previous occurrences has happened, right. no one has checked the gun, and no one has been shot? It's accidental or unintentional death, right? That's what, it, it's hard. Because do I think the level to Alec Baldwin is going to be the person who is responsible for this manslaughter, this tragic death, right? Tragedy, tragic death. We're trying to figure out who's to blame, who do we assign blame to, and all that jazz. Do I think it's Alec Baldwin? No, he's the caboose on that train. Did he pull the trigger? Absolutely. Did Should he be an expert in knowing what a blank looks like versus what a, a live round looks like? Look, Joel, I fire guns. I shoot. I go out with my friends and I shoot. Um, I honestly could not tell you. Because I don't even actually think I've ever seen a blank. So I can't well, I did say some I research. Chris, I did some research on that. And it said that the blank one looks just like a real bullet, but it has an indention on it. What? Make it has a blue. little indention make on it? That's purple. a difference? Like, make it easy to under... Like, again, that, that goes back to, well, why does the... Unless you own the $44,000 TV... You are not going to be able to differentiate between a brass bullet casing and a brown one or a right. red one. If you're one watching, had a little dimple in it, right? You're not so make right. That should be our first takeaway from this: is make prop bullets blanks look measurably different. Right. We're we're not go, we're not Olympic shooting here. You don't need a blank to hit a target at a thousand meters. Right, you need it. You need to be able to have a visual recognition by anyone, whether they're trained or not, to know that that is either a live round or a blank, and that should be our first like takeaway from this. Yeah, is, I don't see how this is is criminal negligence. I get the idea right. you want someone to be accountable. I, I get that aspect. Someone right. died. It's a horrible outcome. Civil negligence for sure. Right, but criminal negligence here because here this person. You know, again, I'm, I'm making this number up, but in 10,000, right. the totality of 10,000 instances in movie history where prop guns oh, have been used, that. no one has been shot. No right. one has been killed. So I know that all lawyers are arguing that, saying, no, how can you say this is, is negligence, criminal right. negligence, when this is the standard operating procedure with zero Outc negative outcomes right. from it. Now, if it had been a situation where, hey, look, you know, people do this and 5% of people actually been shot and killed, okay, that's a number. It's a small number, but it's a number right. you can attach some kind of negligence to. But here, I have yet to hear of anyone who's been shot from a gun on a movie set where they thought it was a prop and it ended up being a live uh, ammunition. So I don't see how they're going to be able to prove outside of maybe this argument someone died and so because of that let's hold someone accountable that's what but that, that's not the law 
No, that's not the law. Um, I will say that Brandon Lee was shot and killed in the filming of The Crow by a non-prop bullet, but that was in 1992. So Okay. So let's go 30 years in between. And in, in the span of those 30... And I wanna, I'm want i giving your argument it's due, because in the span of 30 years, we've had the John Wick series. We've had Heat. I don't know how many World War II movies we've had or how many Westerns where they've just laid to rest guns after guns after guns. So I think your number of 10,000 is extremely low. I would say that there's been at least a million bullets, prop bullets fired over the past 30 years, and no one has been hurt out of those million bullets that have been fired. So I don't think it's criminal negligence. Okay, here's also what they found. They found that the box that contained these, these uh, the Blanks or ammunition yeah. has seven live rounds mixed in with 43 dummies. That person, whoever packed that box, that person is criminally liable. I want to know who does that. Who mixes live rounds with fake rounds? I mean, well, there's that a the dimple. manufacturer? There's the dimple. There's the dimple there, Joel. The dimple will tell you that the, the dimple in the round. That's the person. I don't know who did that. Well, right. they, they the manufacturer said it wasn't us. Convenient to say. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It'd probably it probably wasn't hard me. to find who did that. But whoever is combining and putting in the same box, you know, live ammunition with the, the blank ones, that is a very reckless and careless right. thing to do because someone's going to mix that up when they're pulling out their, their ammunition. But uh, the, and who did what the, I predict. The cost-benefit analysis of the space saving by combining live and blank ammunition is not there. No. No. All right. So Baldwin did say in a TV interview that he did not pull the trigger. Now it has been suggested that that's going to come back and bite him in the For butt sure. because it, 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 it sounds like dishonest. It sounds like he's lying now. Well, when you're yes. lying and they run that in front of the jury, it doesn't matter if why, you know, the proof of it, if you're lying about then, what else are you lying about? You're now right. just, it looks, it looks really bad. It would be much better for him to say nothing. Now, might he might he meant might he have meant to say I did not I do not remember pulling the trigger. It was just kind of a phase and a hog, and I just don't remember doing that. Okay, that might be valid. But to suggest that the you held a gun and just a bullet went out of it accidentally, right. no, no one is buying that. Now you look like right. you are, are lying. So I what's gonna happen? Did not inhale, Joel. <laughs> I did not inhale. Smoked pot right. when I was younger. Did not inhale. Shut up. Race it's a loquitur, man. Come on. So I also did some research, and I, I found out that the average length of sentence for a person convicted of involuntary manslaughter mm -hmm. is 12 months. So if yeah. what we're talking about is 12 months here, might we get a plea in this case? I think if any case calls for a plea, it would be this one, because I don't think there's criminal culpability cu culpability here. I, I think that no one thought they were doing stuff, and I think if you look at the industry standard, it wasn't criminal negligence, but yet someone did die. So someone wants some level of justice here. Maybe a, um, uh, you know, some kind of plea bargain is in the yeah. works. Any Mis thoughts? Yeah. Misdemeanor battery, six months probation, 300 community service hours, something to that effect. Like, I don't think this is going to go anywhere near a trial unless some upstart DA is really looking to try to make a name for themselves. Um, prosecuting Alec Baldwin. I don't know like what's going to go into that, but on any other day of the week, it'll be a, It'll be a battery charge. It'll be, it, yeah, it might even be, I don't, it may even be kind of dismissed on the flimsy, like, attenuated fact pattern. Um, but 
since he's already been charged, I think it'll be some sort of lower-level plea agreement that will get dismissed later on through a motion. All right, well, Chris, you know what that means. It is time for Courtroom Quarterback. Let's do this. Right, Chris, go. I just imagine hearing everyone turning off their their um, their podcast and taking out the earbuds. Oh, you're talking about sports now. It's time to go ahead yep. and disengage. Chris, this is the time when we actually get excited about what That's we right. are talking about. Right. So I, 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 I was on the airplane. And I was flying back this week from El Paso, Texas. Beautiful El Paso. It is beautiful. Great place to do a golf vacation. I am telling you, if you want to go play golf, go to El Paso. We found some great courses out there in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Uh, and there are some nice courses there in El Paso as well. But dang, it's playing in the, in the desert. So I was there. listening for the, the rattle. Um, so it didn't, yeah, don't want to do that. Yeah, you're, you're from Arizona. You know exactly what playing in the desert is, is exactly like. Exactly what it looks like. So uh, flying back, I, I'm at this bar. And Chris, I think I mentioned this to you before, but... um. I'm a talker. Uh, yes, when I'm on the road, I like to talk and to share experiences. Mm -hmm. I always find the most interesting things out when mm -hmm. I'm flying. For example, when I was going to the airport, I was on the shuttle and uh, that was taking me from my car to the airport. And on the shuttle, I was with, uh, there, there, were, there were four people in, this, in the shuttle, four brothers from three um, different sets of brothers. And so there were two wow. young guys, two brothers, and they were on their way to Vegas. Of there course. was me. I was on my way to El Paso to play golf with my my brother. And then there was another guy who was on his way to Scott, to Eugene, Oregon, uh, to bury his brother. And so Aww. I thought th uh, four brothers, all in a shuttle, all about to go out. thought, how interesting is that? In the different phases of life, the, right. the bond between brothers. And I, I mentioned that to someone, and they said, Joel, only you would know that story because no one else is talking to 30 <laughs> other strangers on a shuttle at hey. um, 5 a.m. in the morning. Well, hey. maybe so. You will know what you don't know if you don't talk to people that right. you meet. That being said, I'm at the bar, and I'm talking to this guy next to me, which here's another aside. The guy was wearing a Dallas Cowboys hoodie. Good for him. Is it, is it fair to say that when you're wearing a sports hoodie, you're fair game? It's like, hey, yes. I love, I'm talking, I'm advertising, I'm a fan. I love to talk about my team. Do you, do you, do you wear hoodies? ASU. ASU. Yes, let's talk about ASU. All right, well, there's nothing to talk about with ASU. True but story. I remember wearing my um, Kansas City Chiefs hoodie several years ago. Right. I was walking through an airport, and I, I kid you, Chris, I kid you not, I had probably... Four or five different people come up to me. This is when Patrick Mahomes was just coming out as a superstar, congratulating me oh, yeah. for the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course. We like to feel connected, man. <laughs> what was I doing? I was wearing a hoodie. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. Supporting the Chiefs. Always. Hey, you know what? Support the Andy Chiefs. Reed, Andy Reid is calling me whenever about yep. my game plan for this next week. But, yeah. Well, back to this story. So this guy with the, California, with the Dallas Cowboys hoodie sits right next to me. And so we start talking about the game because the Dallas Cowboys were playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And yep. this guy mentioned he had $18,000 on the line for this game. Well, I Chris, mean, that was a, a smart bet. Chris, that's a lot of money there. That's a right? That's half your TV. Have you ever put $18,000 down? Now, Chris, hold on. You're married. I don't want you to divulge that. I don't want any kind of marital problems there. It's I mean, money. Right. I mean, I've put more than $18,000 on a bed. I got married. So <laughs> I put a lot of money. A lot All of right, money well, that, that my wife loves me. 
Well, it turns out what happened was you remember who Matt, you remember Mattress Mac, right? Yes. Mattress Mac. Love Mattress Mac. Well, I love Mattress Mac for a couple of reasons. Outside of his bedding, he would always open his store up to refugees during the hurricane to come sleep in his stores during the Houston hurricane. So, okay. good philanthropist, sometimes bad sports better. <laughs> All right, well, Mattress Mac there is in Houston, and I was actually in Houston on, on my layover, and, and so Mattress Mac had this, this deal where if you bought mattresses there, uh, you know, uh, whatever, over $3,000 a piece, then, and if, if Dallas won the game, you got your purchase free. Well, this person decided, I need mattresses for my house anyways, so we bought $18,000 worth of mattresses and wrote it all on this game. Chris? Is that ingenious oh, or is that insanity? Oh, it's insanity. It is 100% insanity, right? What are you going to do with $18,000 worth of mattresses if you lose? You're well, I'm, assuming he, I'm assuming he needed them. Well, I don't know. My wife's pretty like on the ball with some deals here. So if I had 18,000 mattresses and her going, no, I'm betting on the Dallas Cowboys, babe. I'm going to be like, well, just lost that bet. I don't know. Something about me loves that story. It's I like, do. I hey, think it's we're great. looking for bedroom furniture. If I knew if if Mattress Mac would sell bedroom furniture, and by the way, he does. So I did oh. call him up when I got back home to Kansas City. I said, hey, do you have any kind of promotions involving bedroom furniture? Maybe yeah. the Kansas City Chiefs. The answer was no and no. no. So I hung up the phone. But he's never doing that again. Here's the he's probably wouldn't you think the mattress Mac is probably bumping the prices up a little bit it's not like oh, yeah. that mattress that three thousand dollar mattress you couldn't get from mattress warehouse down the street for two thousand right well, i mean there's well, probably a little bit of bump up in the price and you could write that off as like a marketing giveaway right okay. like you could do that as like you know open box buys stuff like that there's lots of ways to write that sort of special off so i don't really All think right. he lost and now like look national news people are talking about him is he yes. getting more than $18,000 in national coverage and media buys because oh. he did this? Oh, you, you, but yeah, but if you're going to talk about Mattress Max, um, you know, what he has on the line, he actually has nothing on the line. But yeah. what he does is he then places a similar number of bets. So however much money of furniture he is out there that he could lose, he then places that bet on that game. So if his team at the Dallas Cowboys win – He's getting that money from the bet to pay off for all these mattresses yeah. that he is giving away. So his only out-of-pocket costs are the cost of doing that bet. And right. so, you know what? That's the, the right. price of a promotion, and it works for him. That's his business model. I just got to tell you, I was very tempted. Well, I even called them up and said, do you have any kind of similar bets involving the Kansas City Chiefs? And the answer was no. So maybe we yeah. need a mattress mag here in Kansas City. Indeed. All right. Indeed. Let's Let's talk about last week's games. Last week's games were amazing. And oh, I, so I, good. Yeah, I, uh, I don't even know where to start. Let's start off here with the Chargers yes. Jacksonville game. Do you remember that game? It, the deal is, yes. was it a Chargers collapse or was Jacksonville for real? Now, if I remember right, the Chargers went up twenty-seven to zero. This is why I remember that, Chris, because I was watching that game. I just finished thirty-six holes of golf, and I said to myself. I'm tired. And so I'm going to just like, I'm there in my hotel room. I'm just going to like rest my eyes for a minute because the game's not really that compelling. And I'll just kind of right. listen to the game while it's going on. Of course, the yeah. next thing I know, I wake up and boom, they lost. The Chargers had lost. The Jacksonville came back. Wow. What a, yeah. was it a Chargers collapse 
or are the Jacksonville Jaguars for real? You know what? I was super impressed with Trevor Lawrence that game. Incredibly impressed of that young man. The mental fortitude that you have to have to come out and throw four picks in the first half. Four picks, three to the same guy. Four picks in the first half and then not lose a step. Like, that is franchise quarterback, like, vision. He is, we got to remember, Trevor Lawrence is, what, year two? Year three in the league? He's 20, he's 24 years old? Second year. Like, to have that mental fortitude to be able to brush that off and go back out there and keep fighting, yeah, the Chargers could have collapsed a little bit. Joey Bosa, or, uh, not, is it, yeah, it's Joey Bosa had a couple of bonehead penalties that really cost the right. Chargers, right? And, and part of it down. was, well, and the ref, like, chasing Bosa down. Like, obviously, you could tell he was angry about the holding call that he didn't get. So he walk, was walking off the field, ready to put it behind him, and the ref came up and chased him down. Come on, man. Like, part of it is Chargers collapse. Part of it is refs, like, I will blatantly call out that ref, man. He ran up. Gotten Bosa's face. Bosa said some things which Bosa shouldn't have said. I own that. But come on. Like, heat no. of the moment. Let the guy walk away. That's the point. He's not inciting yes. other players to violence. He is just pissed off and he's walking away. It's a high impact game. Let him go. And <laughs> I then, agree. That's, that's and, on the refs there. Let the, right. let the people be mad by themselves somewhere else. You right. don't have to follow that situation. There's no need for you to follow that situation. Right. But except to draw a penalty, which they right. did. Which they did. So, all right. I, so he. Chris, here's my concern, all right? My concern is, you know who Jacksonville plays next? Of course you do. Of course. It's my Kansas City Chiefs. And so, should we be worried? I mean, Jacksonville just had this tremendous comeback. Are they for real? Is he the next coming of Peyton Manning? I actually even texted my son during the game. He's the next next Peyton Manning. Right. Little did I know he's going to be. I really think that this is going to change up how seriously, because I think the Chiefs were geared up to play the Chargers. Right. I really think that that is where they were paying attention to. That's what they were going on. The Chargers were having an amazing year. So were the Jaguars, but you know the Jaguars kind of snuck into the playoffs. They weren't like a playoff favorite. And so I think that the Chiefs were really set to, to take on the Chargers, and that's where they've been spending their bye week and whatnot. Now they've had to shift to look at Jacksonville. There's not as much to look at now or as much time. So I think that the Chiefs are going to be more conservative. I mean – and that's why I'm taking my bet the way I am this week because they're giving the Chiefs a lot of points. Let me throw out two different scenarios here. So this is a tremendous comeback by Jacksonville, but yes. it wasn't the biggest comeback no. in postseason history. It wasn't even the second biggest comeback in no. postseason history. Let's go over the, the those other two games. So the first one here, the second biggest comeback, happened to my Kansas City Chiefs. I actually remember this game. I watched it. It was a horrible game to watch. Right. 2014, Indianapolis Colts versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City right. Chiefs were up 30. 8 to 10. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this game, either Jamal's Charles, Charles, Jamal Charles then went out with injury, or maybe this was the Travis Kelsey injury. I'm not sure, but we had a 38 to 10 lead in the third quarter. We lost 45 to 44 to the Indianapolis Colts. So yep. the thought there is okay, the Colts had this huge comeback. 
How would that impact them? Would they kind of rest on their laurels? Would they be, right. you know, geared up for that Fired next up. week? Or would they be celebrating? Well, the very next week, Indianapolis Colts lost to the um, uh, the Buffalo Bills by the score of 43-22. to 22. So they got shellacked the next week. So maybe they were partying a little too much. Well, let's go back to the number one game. The All number right. one biggest comeback in postseason history was... The um, Buffalo Bills versus the Houston Oilers back. This is not the Houston Texans. I believe it's the Houston Oilers back yep. in 1993 in the wild card game. And so Buffalo was uh, down, what, 35 to 3, I think, in that game. Yep. They came back all the way and won 41 to 38. Buffalo the next week, then trounced Pittsburgh at 24-3, then beat Miami 29-10, made it all the way to the Super Bowl where they lost to the Dallas Cowboys. But nonetheless, so the Buffalo Bills did not party that hard in that game. They came back right. and won, and it led them all the way to the Super Bowl. So I don't know what we take from that with this game. Uh, Jacksonville, they do have a great quarterback. He's a young yeah. guy, so he's learning every week. Yeah, I'm scared about that game. Any other thoughts about that? I think it's going to be a great game. I think that the, the Chiefs are going to pull it out because they have the more cohesive unit as a team, and they're not going to do stupid penalties like the Chargers did. Um, but I think that it's going to surprise a lot of people, and this is really going to cement the fact that, one, get rid of a horrible coach, and you can do great things. And two, Trevor Lawrence is the real deal. Coming out of Clemson, second year in the, the game, like this is going to be good for them. And I think you're going to see a, a new a new wave. I think, I mean, the AFC is going to be, um, it already is insanely stacked, but now it's just going to get even more intense as we see the years of developing between, you know, you're seeing Mahomes take his seat at the table, like his his head of the table, with Allen, with Burrow, with Lawrence, like with Herbert, like all these kids are coming up, these next gen quarterbacks as they're called. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see them play in the next couple of years. All right. Well, well, one other game. I know we're running out of time here. One other game I want to talk about from last week was the Ravens versus Cincinnati because what you saw in this game was one of the dumbest plays Absolutely. ever. Now, Chris, I, I, I got to tell you this. This is, this is the God's honest truth. I was texting this person here. Uh, I text a lot during these games. Me and the, um, the Ravens were at the one-yard line, the two-yard line, about the one and a half. They're about ready to score. And I texted this person saying, I am starting to get hope because yeah, I want Cincinnati to lose. I am very right. fearful of Cincinnati. I think they're yeah. the biggest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs making it to the Super Bowl. I want Cincinnati to go down. So when the when the Ravens had the ball at the one and a half yard line, yes. and 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 they're about ready to score and go up fourteen, I texted this person, "I am beginning to get hope." Chris, nope. that's the jinx. I feel bad. Good job. This is Thank on you, me. Joel. This you, loss Joel. is on me because then what happened next was the dumbest play I think I've ever seen. Now, so this quarterback, who's not the starting quarterback, that would be a right. whole other story. Lamar Jackson is on the sidelines in a contract dispute. I mean, an injury, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, he would not play in that game. And so the Ravens had their backup quarterback. And from the two-yard line, he decides to dive over the goal line. Chris. <sighs> You never dive. I've heard that. As a spectator of football, I know this. I've seen, I heard it many times. You never dive with the and reach the ball out over the goal line. Whether it's the goal line, whether it's a first down marker, whatever, never. you never do that. Why never. do you not do that? We swat it out of your hands every time. 
How, how easy is that? I mean, there's no protection for the ball. All someone has to do is slap it, and you have no protection for that right. ball. Now, Chris, they actually found, they, they realized that they have microchips in these footballs, and they could tell that when the football, when the ball was knocked out, it was a yard. It was like three quarters of a yard or something. It was a full yard from the goal line. Yeah. It wasn't even close to nope. reaching over that goal line. And so now that's not even what our, our, our takeaway from that would be. One might one takeaway from that might be, uh, Joel, they have microchips in footballs. And why do we ever have the first down chains come out to determine if there's a first down? Don't they have the microchips? Isn't that yeah. good enough? Fair point. Mm. I don't know why would. They don't use those microchips more often. Chris, what was your thoughts on that play? I loved it, man. Cincinnati. It, look, Trevor Lawrence did it earlier in the day where he dove under his lineman into the end zone to get that two-point conversion to, to help out. The, the fact of the matter is that was just rookie mistakes. That is a second-string quarterback making a rookie mistake thinking he was going to be the big hero of the game. Turn the game over. Of course, it was a fumble. It went right into the defender's hands. He raced down, scored the touchdown. Right. Instead of them going up 14, now it's a tie ball game. It was a big, obviously it was the yep. turning point in the game. They it was. Come back from that. That was the momentum right there. All right. One last thought here before we get to this week's game. Tom Brady. Uh, Chris is uh, Mark Twain, I believe, said the, the reports of my demise uh, have been greatly exaggerated. Um, Not is Tom, Tom Brady done? I think so. I, and I said it last week, right? I'm like, if he can come out and put up numbers in the playoffs, he's not going to be done. But if he comes out and loses a game horribly, it's it, it may be time that, that Tom is done. And he came out and lost horribly. No matter how bad the kicker was for the Dallas Cowboys, Tom Brady could just not overcome such a, such a horrendous deficit. All right. You know what you said at first. I'm going to let you have the last word on that. Now let's go to our gambling picks. And, Chris, we are not doing well. Not at we, all. We are definitely proving do never – a fool and his money are soon parted. And Very so do so. not gamble on these games. Um, our Both our totals from last week, 1-5 and five and 1-5. and five. Wow, Chris. That's bad right there. It is what it is, Joel. The spread gets you every time. Wow. Yeah, and right. my reasonings for these games totally did not play out. Hey, you know nope. what? You win some and you lose some. Well, right. this week uh, we have a lot of games here. Let's go. Let's, let's go over these games. Uh, Kansas City over Jacksonville. We've been talking about that a little bit. Um, yeah. Kansas City is a nine-point favorite. That's rough. That is a huge spread. But That's Chris, rough. It, it's my Chiefs. I just I, I know all the dangers here. I know that Jacksonville just had a huge come around, and so. Their, their generational quarterback is now yep. figuring things out. Um, I do know the Chiefs already beat them once this year, so now Jacksonville has revenge on their minds. It usually goes to the other team on these high-spread games. Still, I am going with the Chiefs because of the bye week. Andy Reid mm -hmm. is so good off of buys, and that bye is huge in the end of the season and uh, end of the year because your bodies are tired of them banging up every right. single week, get injuries. So we were we were able to rest here for this week. That is huge for us. I think we're going to win by by ten points. It's a close one, but we're going to win by ten. See, I'm going the opposite. Chiefs are going to win. Set it here. Chiefs are going to win. They're just not going to win by nine. Okay. I just, I'm just not seeing a nine-point victory come up here. Trevor Lawrence is, you know, you know, the Waffle House Warrior is definitely going to come out and put this down. So I, I really think that Jacksonville is going to at least get, get it, like almost like Miami and Buffalo, right? I think that it's going to be a close game, um, but I still think that KC is going to take it out. 
I, 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 you're probably right. It's just my heart. I got to go yeah, with you gotta go with this that. one. Yeah, 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 same thing. Philly over the Giants. Another seven-half point spread. I want to take the Giants in this one. The Giants are a feel-good story. I think that it's, 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 it's a Cinderella story. And right. uh, the clock has now struck midnight. And so, you know what? Uh, your your pumpkin is now a pumpkin again, Giants. Uh, but what? I, it's a horrible metaphor. I, but yeah, you know, Philadelphia there. seven and a half points. I think they're going to cover that here. They ha- again, they had the week off. I'm going with the two teams with the bye week. And I love that for you. I am choosing uh, the Giants because seven point five is a ton. It's a playoff game, man. This isn't like a third week. We're trying to figure out what's going on, man. This is do or die. Balls to the walls. Hundred and ten percent. Seven point five. Whew. That's a lot of that's a lot of give a lot of give All for right. Philly and I think Giants are going to cover that. This next game, I, I'm curious about this next game, Cincinnati over the Bills. Because I I tend to think that you and I we both pick Cincinnati. This is the only mm-hmm. game we're on the same side here this week. Yeah, I, I tend to think that um we're right. I, I don't, what yeah. are we missing? Why uh, why is Buffalo a five and a half point favorite? Is it because the national storyline is so much on the Bills side because yeah. of the injury? And because of yeah. this is a repeat of the game that was never played due to a Bills player being injured, the Bills mm-hmm. players are going to be rallying around their safety. I yeah. don't see why the Bills are even favored at all. I think Cincinnati, if there had been an even-up game, I'm picking Cincinnati over Buffalo. Well, especially after the poor showing against the Dolphins, right? Like, at least, like, since he had a rough game against the Ravens, this is the Dolphins, y'all. So right. I think, and, and also I think like 5.5, again, that's a lot. Like these are playoff games. They're going to be, and remember last year, like these are going to be tight fought, close knit playoff games. 5.5, I can't give that to the Bills. No, I, if this had been an even up game, I am taking Cincinnati. I probably would have even taken Cincinnati with three, if they were three point favorites. So right. I think this is, I have no idea why it's a five and a half point spread. Right. It must be the us. national storyline about the injury. Yeah. That's a gift. All right. That is what it is. Probably the game of the year here. San Francisco over the Cowboys. Now, Chris, I'm going to date myself here. I remember. I actually watched the catch. I I assume you were too young. You have no idea. You do not remember the catch, right? I do remember the catch. It was Montana to the tight end in the end zone. Dwight Clark. Yeah, 1983, 4, 5, something like that. I think it was was 83. I was one year old. One year old. Wow. so, um, do I know about the catch? Yes. Every good 49er that was bathed in gold knows of the catch and of the greatness that was the Joe Montana Dwight Clark play. We were living in a Westerfield townhouse there in Olathe, yeah. Kansas, and I was upstairs in the, and I remember watching on a little black and white TV that throw and that catch, having no idea what I just saw. But I remember right. thinking that's, a, that's kind of a cool game. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I saw that catch, and um, San Francisco. Is a four-point favorite. I am taking San Fran, and of course, you are taking San Fran as well. So I guess we're, we're the same on this pick as well. Right. I don't know, Cowboys. You know what? You also your time is up. I don't see right. how Cowboys are going to have two good games in a row. Um, nope. But nope, I, I nope, definitely nope. think San Fran on yep. this game. And, and I was reading a statistic this week that San Francisco and Dallas are the met the most times in the playoff of any two combinations in the history of the NFL. Interesting. So yep. we see a lot of you each are, other. If you are in any way basing your picks based on what Chris and I are saying, then you know, do the opposite here because we have these are our <laughs> picks and go the opposite way because our yep. track record is not that good at all this season. All right, Chris, no. we have a lot going on this week. Thank you so much for joining us again and, and we'll have a great week and we'll see you next week. All right. We'll see you next week, Joel.
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tri- Plicity Marketing for our technical and computer support.